is from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. You can follow it on the screen, on the overhead, or in your church Bibles. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. From Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. I just pray for Steve. Thank you, Lord, for Steve's presence. Thank you for the anointing that you have placed on him and anoint his words today. Correct us, teach us, encourage us as each one of us needs as he speaks to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Margaret. It's great to have Luke with us today. Thank you, Luke, for being here. Just one expression of our unity across the city, and we are one church. And uh, if you want to participate a little bit more in that unity, you can come here on Thursday morning for uh, City Prayer. Uh, We meet every month, and this month we happen to be meeting at St. Nick's uh, quite early, 7 o'clock in the morning, Uh, but it's, it's always worth coming and unite with Christians from across the city and pray for God's church to be united, for his power to be released, and for our city to be blessed. So there's your invitation. See you on Thursday. Okay, we are going to start today a series of uh, nine talks on this letter in our Bibles, which was written by the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. And uh, before I get going, I just have to tell you that it's not altogether straightforward who the Galatians were. 
Except that, this little interesting nugget, the Galatians were Celts. So if you have Celtic origin, you originate, uh, your ancestors originate in this area of what we now call Turkey. And um, they, uh, you will see at the top that there is an ancient kingdom of Galatia, where the Galatians originated. But over time, it became, Galatia became a broader province in the Roman Empire stretching south. And people have wondered, so who is this addressed to? Is it addressed to people in the north of Galatia, the kind of ethnic Galatians, or is it addressed to people in the south of Galatia who were Galatians because they're part of the province? Um, and this matters because it helps her to date roughly when it was written. Because we know that if it was written to the people in the south, that would probably be about AD 4849. Whereas if it was written to the people in the north, Paul didn't go there until later. That would be about AD 56. You were dying to know that, weren't you? <laughs> it has uh, an impact on how we interpret the next chapter. And I don't, I don't have to bother about that because I'm not preaching on that. But uh, there is, in the next chapter, uh, Paul talks about this, this big kind of uh, discussion that takes place between him and the apostles in Jerusalem. And people are wondering, is that the same discussion that we read of in Acts chapter 15, the Council of Jerusalem? There you are. I know you came to church to find that out, didn't you? So, this is uh, an amazing letter. And it's a, it's, a, it's a letter which kind of condenses so much of what we find in the rest of the Apostle Paul's teaching. And I think it's a great letter for us to look at over nine weeks as a church. And I hope that by the end of these nine weeks, you will really feel at home in this letter. You'll feel that this part of the Bible is yours. You know it. You can quote verses from it. You can point people to it. It's, it's, it's useful to you in your own faith, but also maybe in sharing your faith if you are a Christian. If you are not a Christian, today's message is especially for you. Because I'm going to be talking about gospel. What? Oh, I, you can't really see that. Sorry, that was, I, that was a mistake to put that in blue. There's a reference there to our revered Dr. Ian Paul, Reverend Dr. Ian Paul, and his, his blog, uh, where there's an article about this. You can see him afterwards when you're buying books, and he'll point, to, point you to it. Okay, I'm going to be talking about gospel. What is gospel? And uh, just to help you understand, I would like you to uh, go back in your mind. I'm looking at people from South America. You may have trouble doing this. But those of us in climes that have snow... Go back in your mind to when you were at school. And it's, it, you've looked out the window in the morning. It's cold. And you've seen a kind of heavy sky. And you've thought, I wonder if it will snow today. And uh, as the day goes by, you see a few snowflakes. And those snowflakes start to come heavier. And the excitement builds. And you're thinking, there is going to be an announcement that will change everything. I'm sure it's going to come. And the announcement will be, school is closed. Go home. Now, you might be the sort of person who was very diligent. And you'd be sitting at your desk writing in very neat handwriting. And you'll be thinking, well, I'm not sure that's true. I mean, I, I've only heard a rumor. 
Uh, and I, I, I think I'd better just stay here doing my, doing my work until the headmaster comes and tells me personally that the school is closed. Or you may be a bit more like me, like the, the first even flutter of an idea that the school will be closed means, yeah, it's definitely closed, it's going to be closed for a week, let's go and get the sledge. <laughs> See, the gospel, gospel is an announcement. It's an announcement that changes things. You will have had announcements like that in your life. Some of you will have had the announcement, the tests have come back, and you're clear. Boy, that's an announcement that changes things, isn't it? You may have had an announcement which comes in a bit more personally. I love you, and I would like to spend the rest of my life with you. These announcements are amazing in their impact on us. And the gospel, what, the go- what gospel means is good news. It's that kind of announcement that changes everything. Life is different when you hear it. And I know that some of you heard this announcement a long time ago. But my prayer is that as we look at this passage today, it will take you back to the time when you first heard it. And your heart will be softened and warmed and stirred again to respond. As we read uh, this chapter, we can see that Paul is in contested territory. Uh, There are quite a few things in this passage which makes you think, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he being so assertive? What's going on? So this is all by way of background. Let's let's just have a look. First of all, there's a very assertive greeting in verses 1 and 2. I'm using the New Revised Standard Version. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family who are with me. Now, that's a pretty assertive introduction. Normally, Paul says, hey, I'm Paul. Um, I'm a servant of of Christ. I'm an apostle. But here, he really spells it out. He says, yeah, I am am an apostle. I I am an apostle not through anyone, any human mediation. And what he's basically saying is, this gospel, this good news that changes everything that I'm telling, I didn't get it from the prefects down in Jerusalem. I got this from the head teacher. You can count on this a very assertive greeting and he also makes it clear that he's not just a maverick just saying his thing operating on his own this comes from all the members of God's family who are with me secondly there's a fairly confrontational opening he soon gets into confrontation did you notice that verse 6 I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. You are so quickly deserting the message that changes everything that you've received. Not that there is another message. And by the way, if anyone is telling you another message, well, he doesn't doesn't exactly wish them well, does he? May they be accursed. You see, this message, the message that he's bringing, the message that changes everything, is one that is being challenged. And finally, he brings a very defensive question at the end of our passage. He says, am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? 
if I was still pleasing people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. So why is he saying that? He's saying that because obviously people are saying, Paul, your message isn't the true gospel. You are trying to please people. Why would they be saying that? Because Paul is preaching a message that is for everybody. Yeah, the prefects down in Jerusalem and maybe people around them are saying, but you know, the message is that Gentiles can become honorary Jews. That they can join God's people. Yeah, that, that's good news, good news. But, you know, if, if they're males, they'll need to be circumcised. And there's a, a whole lot of kind of ceremonial law that they'll have to start obeying. And you're not preaching that, Paul. You are watering it down. You're just making it more palatable to the non-Jewish audience that you're preaching to. You're trying to please them. He says, no, that's not the case. If I were trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. That's a pretty important statement to take note of, you know. Especially those of us who are people pleasers. You, You can't please people all the time and still be a servant of Christ. Paul knows that. Okay, so that's really by way of introduction. But what is the gospel? I think that what Paul is trying to convey through this letter, through his whole ministry, the gospel is summarized very neatly in verses 3 to 5. And we're just going to focus on those, and we're going to go through these verses fairly slowly and systematically. By the end, you should be able to recite these verses and know them in your heart. Let me read them to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Okay, let's just start with the opening line. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father. We're not really focusing on harvest today. Uh, We're acknowledging God's generosity and we're giving gifts uh, to those who are marginalized in our city. When the Bible talks about harvest, when Paul talks about harvest later on in Galatians, he's talking about kind of what our lives end up adding up to. And you know, when you get to the end of your life and you look back, you think about all the things you did, all the energy that you spent, all the places you went to. I think if we're really honest, there's only one thing that matters, and it's this. Am I loved? If you go to funerals, actually, people turn up because they love the person. And in deep in the longings of our hearts, it's the only question we want an answer to. Am I loved? And what Paul is saying is this. As God looks at you, his basic disposition is grace and peace. Grace is that unmerited favor, the thing you don't deserve. Grace and peace. Our Grandchildren are here today, Jane's outside with our youngest. And you know, as a grandparent, I look at those grandchildren, my disposition is not 
Okay, are you going to be good today then? Are you going to do anything that's going to make me feel proud of you today? It's, it's just grace, peace. And we, we sometimes hear people say, God loves you, God adores you. It's not quite true. I'm sorry to have to tell you that. Yeah, God doesn't adore you like your mum adores you. You know how you just can't do wrong. No, God's disposition to you is because he is gracious. Because he is the God who makes peace. And that is just a given. And it's good news. But notice what Paul says. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, many people in the world wish that God is like that. That he's full of grace. That he wants to make peace with us. But how do you know that? How do you actually know that? How does that become anything more than sheer wishful thinking? I'd like to think that God is nice. The only way you know that, really, is through Jesus Christ. He says at the start of John's Gospel that we get the law through Moses, the Ten Commandments and so on. But grace and truth comes to us through Jesus it's only when you look at Jesus that you really know what God is like. This is God incarnate. This is God in the flesh. And as we read the narrative of Jesus' life, as we see him dealing with people, we see what God is like. We see that he is the one who reaches out to people who are marginalized. He is the one who has time for the person who's on the edge. He's the person who touches the leper. He's the person who embraces the person who is despised by everyone else because they are so substandard. That is what God is like because we see in Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Who gave himself for our sins. This is how God's love is communicated. When Jesus died, he gave himself for our sins. That, just a little explanation about what our means. It means yours and mine. It, it, means, it means he gave himself for that thing I said last week, which I regretted as soon as the words left my mouth. It means he gave himself for that attitude which is so ingrained in me and I can't shift it means he gave himself for that thing that I know I did 10 years ago and I'm just hoping no one else will ever discover he gave himself for our sins you know uh, we often talk about getting into the well with people. I don't know if you've heard that expression. You know, someone's fallen into a well. And so you stand at the, at the edge and you say, uh, well, you, you, just need to, you just need to try and climb out. And you know, when you use that metaphor to, to talk about what life is like sometimes, when you're in the well, you've fallen into a deep place and it's just muddy at the bottom and you can't think of a way of getting out. You don't want anybody to stand on the edge and give you advice, do you? It's the last thing you need. You want someone who's going to get down in there with you. 
Because you need them to know, you need somebody to know what it's like. And that's what Jesus did. He came to share our life. He's in the well with us. But just imagine if the only way to get you out of the well was to put you on his shoulders so that he sank deeper and deeper into the mud and would not be able to get out. He gave himself for you. He gave himself for our sins. So that's why God's love is not like your mother's, that glosses over your faults. God knows your faults fully. He knows mine. And he gives us grace and peace. And his love comes to us through Jesus who gave himself for our sins. Why did he do that? He gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age. If you uh, want to just know a little bit more about what Paul means by that, you just look ahead in your Bibles to chapter 4, verse 8. And he says this, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to beings that by nature are not gods. Now, however, that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and beggarly elemental spirits? He's saying, look, there are forces at work in this world. And when you put something in your life in the place that God should have, you become enslaved to that. You ask anybody who has any kind of addiction, and you'll know that that is true. Maybe you have an addiction yourself, maybe to a substance, maybe to a habit. You know that when you give yourself to something that is not God, it dominates your life. It promises something that it cannot deliver. And Paul talks about these elemental forces, the the forces that kind of give life order and structure and meaning, that they're not all bad in themselves, but when when you put them in the place that only God should have in your life, you lose your freedom. And you can only find your freedom when you are submitted to the one who loves you most, the one whose attitude towards you is grace and peace. Then you're free. He came to set us free. He gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. And here Paul is just setting this into a bigger framework. He's saying, you know, all this, all this good news, this, this good news, this announcement that changes everything it is part of God's eternal will It came from God, and it's going to God. He's going to get all the glory as well. And yes, he really loves you. His attitude to you, his disposition to you is grace and peace. But actually, the big story is not about you. It's his story. But he invites you to be part of it. We, we had our diocesan conference last week, and it was a great time away for uh, clergy and, and other lay leaders across uh, the diocese to be away. And throughout the, the conference, I just had this image just coming to my mind all the time. And it was, you know how, um, let's, let's say, um, I don't like to use this analogy because um, 
I support the other team from Manchester, but uh, just imagine it's, it's the, uh, the end of, uh, of, of the Premier League, okay? It's the final match of the season. It's been a long season, and your team have won. They are the champions. And you know what it's like? That, that at, at the end of the, the match, um, very often the players go, to, go out and, and they get their kids, and their children come in. Just imagine a little boy, and he's on his dad's shoulders, and he's wearing the kit, and he says to his dad, we did it, dad. And dad says, yeah, we did it. Of course, the little boy didn't kick a ball. But we did it. And, and in some ways, I think that God's love for us is a bit like that. We, we just like the, the child on the, on the dad's shoulders, and we say, we did it, God. He said, yeah, we did it. But he did it all. He did it all. He just shares it with us. And you know, when, when that is the case, what does a little boy want most of all? He wants to become like his dad, doesn't he? And as God involves us in his story, we want to become like him. So I just want to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. Just firstly, some of you, you, you know all this, don't you? And, and all I've done is told you what's in the Bible. But I just wonder whether you, like me, sometimes forget that this is what it's all about. I just wonder whether sometimes life gets so busy and uh, things take over and some things which really are not very important become so important and we just keep on going, and we lose our sense of what the gospel is, the good news. And you know, there are other versions of the gospel. Here's one. I must try harder. I must try harder. I must try harder. That's a, that's a version of the gospel that we very often substitute for the real thing, as if it makes any difference, as if we could add to what God has done. And here's another one. I'll just present my best mask to you in the hope that you will never really discover who I am. And we do that not just to other people, but to God as well. I'm really a very good little boy, God. And the thing is, you never actually experience then what you're really longing for. What you're really longing for is grace. And peace, that, that embrace of the one who knows you best, knows you even better than you know yourself, and still embraces you, still has that unfaltering disposition towards you of, of grace and peace. And so I just want to say to church, you know, if, if this is you, come back home. Let, let, let's come back home. Let, let's come back to where it all began. Let, can you remember the time? Can you remember the time when the grace and love of God so overwhelmed you that you knew that this was the thing that would change life forever, that you would never be the same again because somebody loved you so much that he gave his son for you? Have you forgotten what it's like? Have we forgotten what it's like? Because let me tell you this, if you really are in touch with that, it, 
you're prepared for a little potential embarrassment when it comes to inviting someone else to church. Frankly. It's nothing. You're prepared for a little bit of loss of faith. For letting people at work know that you're a Christian. Because it's nothing, is it? By comparison. Do you remember falling in love? If you've fallen in love, you just can't help but talk about the person that you're in love with. Get the photographs out. We need that. Some of us have lost our first love. And, and we've substituted the gospel. This amazing announcement that changes everything. We've substituted it for being nice, decent people. And trying very hard. Well, you can keep that. Let's come back. Secondly, for those of you who are not Christians, who've, who've never actually responded, I want to just point out one little word at the end of this paragraph. Amen. It means, I agree. Yep. Count me in. And you know, in the next chapter, which we'll come on to in a few weeks' time, having said that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present e evil age, Paul makes this amazing statement. <clears throat> he said, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. In other words, the, what, what he's done for me has, has changed everything. I'm, I'm putting everything into that. I've died. My old life is gone. The only life I have now is the life that Christ gives me. It is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now even if this was written in AD 56, that's, he's talking about a guy who was crucified on a a Roman cross just 20 years earlier. And he's saying he, he loved me. He did it for me. Because he's no ordinary person. And if you have never personally, personally responded to that, maybe you're a student and, and you've come to church because your mum said, make sure you go to church when you get to Nottingham. And you think, well, I, okay, keep her happy. But, but it's, it's never been yours. You've never said, your amen. You've never said, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Maybe today could be the day you do that. Maybe today could be the day that the, the announcement that changes everything changes you. So, brothers and sisters, let's go, let's go through this, this letter over the next eight weeks. And let's allow it to bring home to our minds and our hearts the radical truth of the gospel. And let's not be ashamed to share it with others. Let's pray. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and... Um, 
speak personally to each of us now. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Come gracious Spirit of God, Spirit of truth. And speak that word into the heart of each of us here today. That we need to hear from you. as you just uh, do business with God. So allow him to, to speak with you. And a story from the, the East African revival. They were having something like we have today, an opportunity to bring gifts. And they had these big baskets at the front. And one young man was so struck by what he'd heard the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He came forward and as everyone else was putting their money in the baskets, he climbed in one and said, well, that's the only response I can give. Forgive us, Lord, for the times when we have taken your love for granted, when we have become so complacent, so over-familiar with your gospel. Would you renew in us, Lord, that deep love response to you that changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.